0: thing I noticed in sports, I don't know, like, if you guys will agree, or if you notice this as well, maybe I'm just full of shit, but, like, when a player, like, a top player in a sport publicly t- praises another player in an interview, for example, or on social media, they tweet something, or they make a post and say, wow, you know, this dude is sick, blah, 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 things like that do you not notice that they never do that for players that actually are a threat to them? Like I've never seen any athlete do that about someone they're in contention with. And I don't think it's like on purpose, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'd never tweet about him. It's not like a conscious decision, you know? It's not really intentional. Or like, oh, I'm not gonna talk about him in, in an interview. They don't actually like say that to themselves. You know what I mean like I, I might be wrong here but I've never seen LeBron Praise KD or any player in the league Praise KD <laughs> like tall players Cause why they're scared of him They're scared of him And he's a threat to them And they know that They're not gonna talk him up to the world To the media why would they do that He's a threat to them They're They're scared of him And he's probably better than them So who do they talk about? I'll tell you who they talk about. They talk about the players that they know and and they believe that like, okay, I know I'm better than this player. I know that if it came down to it, this player will not cause me problems. And this player is not a threat to me. And this is like purely psychological. Like I said, these people when they make these interviews or like talk about players online or whatever, they don't like have a list of players, like, okay, I'll talk about him, I wouldn't, it's not really like that, it's psychological, you know who's a threat to you, you know, you know who you're scared of, you know who's in competition with you, you know who keeps you up at night, so you know you won't talk about them, you you won't even, like, think about it, you won't even have to, like, tell yourself that you wouldn't talk about him or praise it. it'll just never happen, because you're scared of him. you know what I mean, so, like, people, like, who you don't, don't even give much thought to, you know, when you're asleep at night, you know? That's who you'll probably happily praise. Why? Because I'm a nice guy. You know, they, or, or maybe you want, you want to talk about this player, make him look good, so when you beat him, which you probably will, because you're not scared of him, and he's not a threat to you, you look good. Like, let me talk this player up, and then beat him, and I look so great. Look at me. Like, yeah, I was telling you guys about how this kid is a freak, and I just beat him. Huh. Look at me. I'm nice. So why- Safe, why are you talking about this? Why are you such a hater? Well, notice in tennis who all these girls talk about, and who, like, is mentioned, like, all the time, and every top player has somehow... Found herself in a situation where she's talking about this player. How about Igosh Wojtek? Why, like, how does, how and why does she come up all the time and all these players talk about her endlessly? Because it's popular. One, it makes the player look good. When, let's say, a player like Barty talks up Igosh Wojtek. Oh, Barty's so nice. She's so sweet. Yeah, she's right. I gotta listen to the world number one. She's she's talking about how Iga's such a great player. She probably knows her shit. Wow, Iga's good, huh? And Barty beat her, huh? Mmm. Wow. That's great. Barty's so good. I mean, Iga is too, but Barty beat her. Wow. You know what I mean? How many top players have you heard talk about Sabalenko? Or Rabakino? Or Mukova or Kudermatova like why don't they talk about these girls? I think it's because they're scared of them like they know that these girls pose a threat to them. They probably don't want to talk them up because they're s- scared and in the off chance and and the and the likely actually off chance that they lose to one of these girls there there isn't like a endless Gallery of of interviews and quotes and tweets of of talking about how this girl is so great. You know what I mean. They don't want to put these thoughts into into people's heads. They'll happily talk about Iga Swiatek. Why? Cause they know she ain't shit. Actually, not to them at least. To them, that's baby food. Barty against Swiatek. That's baby food. Simona Halep. You know, that's baby food. Just, just look out for it. Maybe I'm full of shit. Maybe I'm a hater. I don't know. But just think about it. When a player randomly tweets about a player. You know what I mean? Why does the WTA love to make videos and articles and, and endless conferences and tweets about Iga Swiatek? Don't be fooled. Please don't be fooled what you see. For them, that's just marketing and dollar signs. You know what I mean? Like, they... They don't give a... I'm not saying that... that like... Look, 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 look. They don't care if they're promi- promoting good or bad players. They don't care if the player they're promoting... is good or bad. And they're not gonna go out of their way... to promote good players. And and sort of promote their tour... and, and, and what the tour actually does... plays tennis. They're not gonna promote... good tennis players. They're not not gonna promote good tennis players. But they're gonna promote tennis players... Or girls who play tennis that will bring them in money. It's something exciting for the world, you know? So happy and dandy and whatever, that's... That's who they're gonna talk about. No one really wants to talk about Sabalenka, not really. Why? Why though? Cause she's not a uh, goody-two-shoes kiss-ass? They're scared of her. Cause if she starts winning, slams and shit... For them, that sucks. They'd love if Coco Gauff, and Iga, and Emma can win every single Grand Slam ever. Like, forever. Like, for the next 57 years, every WTA Grand Slam is won by either Iga, Coco Gauff, or Emma. And Layla could win one, one every five years. That, for them? Oof! Oh my goodness. They'd love that. If Sabalenka starts stringing a couple of... Slams together... They probably won't like that. Actually, they'll probably do do something about that. If you know what I mean. Wink, wink. Welcome to the safe space, everybody. I'm in a very mixed mood today. We just saw the finals. Didn't really live up to expectations. I'd say the best match, or the, the most competitive match, the most exciting match to watch was... Uh, probably the least exciting one, or, or obviously on paper at least, was the Anisimova and Sasnovich match. Congratulations to Anisimova. That match was all over the place. Anisimova actually played a great first set, but to no surprise, like I've said before on this show, it's, you know, seldom you'll see her play two consistent good sets performance wise. Okay, you can you can always bank that that if she plays lights out first set, you will most definitely see some regression second set. Anisimova had a couple of medical timeouts, quote unquote leg injury. I don't know what's what was up with that. She clearly was maybe trying to play mind games, sort of put a stop to Sasnovich's run, maybe halt or zap her momentum gamesmanship, whatever, call an MTO, she looked to be down and out in the third set. She trailed Love 3, Sasnovich was up 3 love, and then 30 love up on Anisimova's serve, two points away for 4 love, and potentially a a service game away from 5 love. And that would be the set, right? Possibly a bagel, if Anisimova holds, you'll serve out the set and the match at 5-1. Instead, it was 3-3 in a heartbeat. Okay, Sasnovich held at 3-3, and that was it. That was the match. 4-3 up, Anisimova held 4-4, and that was it. Now, this leg injury, she just ripped off the tape and started playing like 2008. Sharapova. Look, I actually I actually had to cut the recording there. I went on to talk about that match for eight more minutes, but you know what? It doesn't matter. We're not going to sit here and talk about it. We do. Look, congratulations to Anisimova. Let's talk about important things. Is there going to be value on betting Anisimova next week? Yes or no? The only correct answer is no. Okay. Her lines are going to be inflated. That's it. That's That's all it is. Okay. Now... To just play devil's advocate, her confidence will be up, which will actually tremendously help her moving forward. So maybe there is some value. I don't think bookmakers think like that or factor that into the line. So that's one thing to consider. Her confidence will be up for sure. She needed that. That will help her moving forward for sure, 100%. But will there be value betting her moving forward? No, unlikely, very unlikely. For, maybe not six and a half years, if she was Goff, or the next Serena Williams. But next week for sure. Yeah, I mean, if she plays. I know Rybakina withdrew from the event next week. Uh, Shvojtek withdrew. She doesn't want the smoke, it's okay. But look, about Anisimova, I could be wrong what I'm saying is, is I anticipate that the market or the bookmakers will overreact to her title run this previous week and as a result we're not gonna get very good lines or we'll get inflated lines for any That's just what I predict and it's a, I guess, a safe prediction to make or a good prediction to make because early on in the season there's not much to go by. Okay, If like after one event this player played one event and she won. She's 2008 Sharapova, that's it. Minus 7,000 every match she plays. No. Okay, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but, but it's safe to say that there will probably be an overreaction to her title win this week. Okay, and you gotta keep that in mind. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't say I'm wrong, but it, it, it depends on what those lines say. There could be value. Um, betting her moving forward. Don't just auto bet her because she looked good this week. Okay, there was value on her this week. Maybe not in the final, even though she won. There was absolutely no value betting her, by the way, in the final. Um, look, if it was a, if it was like a you know an even game, if it was like a pick 'em, or if, if you know if it was a fifty-fifty game odds-wise, I would have probably bet her. Or like chose to back her. I would have had a long and hard think about it. But I probably would have better. If it was a. You know if I was getting her at minus 110. Or. or you know 1.91 odds. If we're doing decimal. I pro- I, I. I can't say that. Because the lines. Weren't like that. So I don't know. I didn't have to think about it like that. But if I saw them like that. I, pr- I probably would have made a very strong case. And considered it to bet her at that price. Now back to Rabakana, she played... Barty in the final, in the Adelaide final, which was the bigger tournament with the bigger names, and, and this was probably the... the headliner of the three finals, obviously because it features the world number one at home, but probably also her opponent was the most intriguing, I would say. rabakana certainly one to watch out for this year. Um, she didn't really have any, like, Big or impressive or convincing wins, but if you watched her, you can kind of tell that she was looking good. She was up for it. Okay, no one really posed a challenge to her, not really. Anyway, Shelby Rogers is a lunch lady. Never forget. In the first six and a half games, and yes, yeah, six and a half games, Rebecca was the better player. Look, if if. If we made a mixtape of the five best points of the match, Rebuckina won four of them. Maybe, definitely three of them. You know what I mean? Like, if we're showing highlights, unbiased, like an unbiased highlight reel, Rebuckina had four, three, like three, maybe four of the best five points like safe? What th- th- doesn't matter? I'm just saying. I'm they, yeah, of course it doesn't matter. So what if you win the best points, or, or you know what I mean? Doesn't matter. Of course it doesn't matter. But I'm, why, why, why I'm bringing it up is because she played so, so good. In the first six and a half games, her service games were dominant. She was holding with relative ease. I mean, so was Barty. I'm just talking about, about Rebecca and her service games and how she was pretty dominant. In the seventh game of the match, Barty was serving at 3-3. Rebacana went up 40-15. Two break points. Barty held for 4-3. Now, as many of you might know, The advantage of serving first in a set, you know, to start the match, I mean, or in a set, whatever, doesn't have to be to start the match. But if you, if you serve to start the set, if you serve first in a set, you have a massive advantage. The biggest one probably being like at 5-4, like you're winning, right? Quote, unquote, winning. But it's 5-4 and the other player hasn't served yet. You know, we call this, we're on serve. If I was a commentator and, and, you know, someone held for 5-4 and we're on serve, I would say, Barty takes a lead at 5-4 and we're on serve. Rebekahna has to serve to stay in the set. That's a lot of pressure, first of all. Okay, that's called scoreboard pressure. Okay, because you're losing, you know, quote-unquote, technically speaking, you're losing... And you gotta serve to tie up the game, and that's the case throughout the set. You know, if you serve second, okay. So serving first, you have an advantage. <laughs> so Rubikina failed to hold at four uh, at three-three to get a four-three lead, and to serve to make it five-three. You know what I mean? So she's like, she has a lead in the scoreboard, but she's also serving. That's the difference, okay? And she di- she didn't. So Barty held for 4 3 lead, quote-unquote, lead. Rybakina could, you know, hold her serve, and it's 4-4. We're on serve, right? Obviously. Let me tell you, the match ended at 4-3, Barty. Rybakina got broke, so silly, double faults, errors, she's pissed turned to her coach, told him to stop talking, she did the shush sign, you know, bringing up her finger to her lips, going shush, like shh. you know what I mean? She did that to him and told him stop talking, stop talking, stop talking repeatedly, like three or four times maybe. You probably won't find it on YouTube, why would they show you that? Barty won because she's good, she's so good. But Barty is good, from front positions, Oh, she's the best. She's a, she's a... Look, Barty's a stone-cold killer, man. She's an assassin. She could honestly come to your house, kill your entire family, and you won't know what happened. Not only until it's too late, but, but you'll probably think they went to the store or something. You know what I mean? Or like, you'll probably like sleep, wake up, make coffee, take a piss, and you won't know that your entire family's dead. Until it's like way too late. You know what I mean? Like, that's Barty. That's what she does, bro. She's like a hired assassin, hired killer, a hit woman. Just all business. So professional. You know, it's business as usual every time she steps on a court. And I like that. I like that a lot. That's what you expect from the world number one. And she's at home. shes I don't think she's ever looked this good before, bro. If you tell me anyone else is going to win the U.S. Open, forget it. To be honest, we can talk about who we think are like our second or third or fourth best options. We can talk about a top five. But if we have to talk about who do you think is going to win the Australian Open? Sorry, that's not even a question. The real question is, other than Barty, who do you like for the Australian Open? That's the real question. Like, that's actually the question that matters. Okay? Yo, safe! Why don't you bet on the ATP? Why- why do you hate the ATP so much? Why do you keep calling them bitches? That's so weird. Those are the women. Women are bitches. Look, I don't like the word bitch calling like, at least if we're referring to females, I'll only ever call, uh, a man a bitch. Like when I call my friend and ask him about girls at the party and be like, yo bro, are you at the party? Are the bitches there? What are they like? I would never do that. Be like, yo, are there girls there? What do they look like? Is it hype? Are there a lot of dudes there or what? But look, if I'm if I'm speaking like like generally, the ATP, and I've said this before, I've tweeted this, the ATP players are bigger bitches than the quote unquote bitches on the WTA tour. Okay and that's facts. And I'll tell you why. Bro, tell me I'm wrong. ATP players, bro, they're all divas. They all think like they're in a ma- the main character. They all think they're they're in a James Bond movie or something. They're like, "Oh, look at me." Yeah, yeah. Like what are you doing, bro? Just play tennis. And you know, there was this uproar in the media like when, you know, telling athletes, basketball players shut up and dribble. Like, oh, like, we're human beings, too. We're not just your slaves. Like, we have problems and feelings, too. Like, yeah, they had a point, honestly. They're human beings, too. I'm not telling you guys to shut up and dribble. I can't tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you to shut up and play tennis. But what I can say is call you a bitch. I, you know, I have the right to do that. Just as you have the right to do whatever you want. If you don't want to shut up and, and serve, or shut up and play tennis, or shut up and dribble... That you have the right to do that and I, ca- I can't tell you to do that quite frankly but what I can do is I can call you a bitch actually you know I'm talking about like the Zverev's like how many times do you see like just drama, Tsitsipas Zverev Medvedev Benoit Paire like there's like a million players always hearing stories and news about them Bro, with the with 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 the chicas on the WTA tour, you don't really hear about that kind of stuff. Not that people don't care or the stories aren't as big. They just pull up and play tennis. Like that's amazing. Obviously, they're they're real human beings too. But but not like there's no drama and shit. Okay, the craziest thing, the craziest story from WTA is the Peng Shuai thing. She's missing. My God, that's crazy. That's unbelievable. But Tsitsipas, the toilet breaks, his dad, my my facial hair, oh my elbow, <laughs> you know, Zverev and his baby mama, character issues, players talking shit about other players in the media, you guys are bitches, I'm gonna say that, I'm not gonna tell you to shut up and stay off the media and, and, and don't go on Twitter and, and Instagram live, no, do whatever you want, I'm gonna... You know, am I gonna tell you to shut up and play tennis? You're a human being, bro. You do whatever you want. But so am I. And you're a bitch. All of you, actually, honestly, all of you, most of you, bro. The women they pull up and they ball out. They try their hardest. Like, yeah, they su- some of them suck. They choke. You know, they can't play. Oh, they can't play five setters like the men, bro. Like I, like she was up five two the other day, bro. And and yeah, look, okay, whatever, man. But they try. Like they're, like they're here to play tennis they love the sport honestly a lot you know it's more competitive there's more parody in a way Barty might have something to say about that but yeah that's why really I'm, I'm not attracted to the ATP tour as much I use the word attracted like oh it's cause of what they look like huh you're a pervert you like the little short skirts and the dresses huh well honestly yeah but that's not the point honestly I'm being honest that's, that's not what it is Okay, I'm not a pervert, thank you. Barty is all business. She's an assassin, so is Muguru though. Like the top players that are not American, like they're like you will never hear it, like you know what I mean? Like you only really know them as tennis players. You don't know what they did with their baby mama or baby fathers or baby daddies, whatever. <laughs> yeah? You don't hear about their stories with, you know, you don't really hear about that and and the women. They stay off the media. They don't talk shit about each other in the media. Muguruza told, what, like, they say it to their face, bro, actually. These women, these bitches that you talk about, they say it to each other's face. Muguruza versus Kruzikova at the U.S. Open. Kruzikova pulled her classic toilet break, MTO move, whatever, to to really you know, stop Muguruza in her tracks. You know, that classic move. Muguruza straight up at the net exchange after the match where they tap rackets or shake hands or whatever. Muguruza told her to her face, that is so unprofessional. And walked off and that was it. She never, she never bitched about it in the media. Oh, if this was an ATP ATP player, oh my goodness. His dad would go on on Instagram and talk about it. He'd make a whole show on Instagram live about it. You know what I mean, and this is real shit whether whether you agree or not it's it's how I feel i'm I'm gonna call them bitches. they're all bitches it, it look and it's not fun, but safe like you said these are these are real human being pe- beings too like they have problems and feelings, and they can complain like sure, sure. But I don't like it, and you're a bitch. And the women don't do that. And that's my point. Really, my point is... And excuse my language here. I don't mean to be so explicit, but... Yeah. The men on the ATP tour are bigger bitches than the bitches. On the WTA tour. And that's facts. That's on everything, actually. Dennis Shapovalov, heck of a player. I like him a lot. Why is he always making a scene on the court to the umpire? Like, just shut up, bro. We saw the replay. You challenged. You failed the challenge. We all saw the replay. But no. That picture in the challenge was not the same as that ball he just played. That's a different picture. I don't know where that... Bro, just stop. Seriously, just stop, man. Always constant whining, complaining about this, complaining about that. Talking about other players, bro, to the media. You're all bitches. Seriously, you're all divas. You all think you're the main character. The big three, bro. The legendary big three, anyway. I'm talking about, you know, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. They weren't really like that. This is more of a modern day thing. With the with the male athletes, they're, I mean, rel- relatively speaking, g- generally in this day and age, the modern era, most male athletes are bitches. I'm not gonna lie to you. You know, they're like all like fake woke woke culture and all that. It's it's a bit much, I think. It's not nice to see. But the new big three, the you know, the Zverev, Medvedev. And Paz, even though I think Paz can't really hang with them, but those three. You know what I call them? They're not the big three. They're the big sisters. That's what they are. They're the big sisters. You had the big three, which was Joker, Nadal, Federer, and now you have the big sisters. Because they're all a bunch of bitches, bro. Like you're a bitch and he's a bitch too, and that's why you're sisters. But you're the best on the tour, so you're the big sisters. All these dudes, just big dicks swinging. Like, yeah, I'm the fucking man. Look at me, bro. Yeah. Come on, bro. Miss me with that shit, please. Honestly, I really want to say, just shut up and play tennis. But I, I can't say that. Why? Because you know as a human being you have every right to have feelings and emotions and 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 to to deal with them and to cope with them and that's fine no one no one no one can stop you bro you can do whatever the hell you want but so so can i and what i'm saying is that you're a bitch so in our lead up to the australian open every day i'm gonna talk about one Women that I like a lot. Maybe not just particularly for the Australian Open, but generally speaking for the season, I'm calling this a list of players to look out for in 2022. And perhaps starting with the Australian Open, look out for these players. Barty's not going to be on this list because I mean she's the world number one and we know what Barty is she's an assassin. She'll kill your whole family and you won't even know about it till till the next morning. Okay, but today we're gonna talk about the player that Barty played yesterday, Elena Rebecca. Now if you guys remember what Amanda Nisimova said um, after her interview, sorry, after her match in the interview, when she beat Kasutkina in the semi-final from a day ago or two, I guess. It doesn't matter who I play, if I do my thing, I'm gonna win the match and that's all that it that's all that it takes. And that's Elena Rebecca in a nutshell, even though if she doesn't say it or even if she feels like it. You gotta understand that in tennis, there's always one racket. Or one player rather. But it's the racket that does the dictating. And that's like Arena Sabalenko, Elena Rybakina. Petra Kovitova. So what that means is, is that if I'm on my game and up and I'm up for this, you stand no chance and there's nothing you can do to stop me or to win this match. Okay, so like this racket right here that I hold in my hand, if I hit these shots, you're done, you're finished. That's Elena Rybakina. That's Arena Sabalenka, but she's buns at the moment. That was Petra Kvitova in her prime as well, but... We're no longer in her prime. I think Elena, Elena Rybakina is a right-handed Petra Kvitova. A lot of similarities, in my opinion. The length... The flat ground strokes... The very positive... Yet aggressive... Yet controlled playstyle. They don't want to run around and hit uh, uh, slices and drop shots. They want to hit the fuck out of the ball and and then do it again the next point. And I kind of like those kind of players. You need to understand that some players, if they're at their absolute best, that's what it takes for them to be competitive. You know what I mean? Like, just competitive, not even dominate or win. Like, if, if a player like Rabakina has had her absolute best, because remember, it's her racket that does the dictating. If Eleanor Rybakina gets it going, it's going to be embarrassing. Not for her, but for her opponent, obviously. It's going to be embarrassing. But for other players, if they're at their absolute best, then they can be competitive. Then they can make a match out of it. There's a huge difference there. Because if these other players, if they're not at their absolute best, then it's embarrassing for them. You see what I'm saying? They'll get whooped and walloped if they're not at their absolute best. They need to be firing. They need to be on it for them to make it competitive. That's the difference. Okay, like if Vitalina is at her absolute best and she's spitting, then she'll make a competitive match. Whoever she's playing, she's not gonna stomp. She's not gonna embarrass anyone. But on the contrary, if she's not at her absolute best and she's not spit ten, then she'll embarrass herself. That's the difference. That's what is capable of. Like if your world number one Ashbardian Rebakina is spitting, and she's hitting. We might be laughing about you, Barty, the next morning. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like that. And by the way, if you did not know Elena Rubakina is who is in my picture, the Safe Smacks brand, let's call it that's you know the the cover, the cover art for this podcast for my Twitter, that's Elena Rubakina in case you didn't know. Maybe the Adidas beanie gave it away, but yeah. She's beautiful, man. I'm a big fan of her game. So good. It's so positive. And I think she's capable of so much. She needs to be in the mood. She needs to be up for it. She needs sort of positive results. She needs to see her shots go in. And once she starts, bro, and gets it going, it's embarrassing for you, her opponent, not her. This week in Sydney, we have some good tournaments. Last week it was Adelaide, or Adelaide, that was sort of star studded and it had sort of the headline names. It had Barty, world number one. It had Sabalenko, world number two. The world number two exited in round two because she had a buy in the first round. She probably would have lost in the first round if she didn't have a buy. Um, but today we get some good games. In Sydney, this is where it's stacked. Um, at the, I guess at the start of the weekend, seven of the top ten players were playing in Sydney, Ash Barty, not Sabalenko, not Pliskova, but everyone else. So, Muguruta, Bedosa, Kontaveit, Unstjabor, Igosh and I think that's it. Švoboudek pulled out. She was, she's injured. She doesn't want the smoke. We spoke about this earlier. It turns out I was wrong. I'm recording the, I'm, I'm recording this, this segment, a few hours after I, uh, I recorded the earlier part of this podcast. So I, th- I had initially thought that Robokina withdrew and wouldn't be playing this week. That's not true. She is playing this week in Sydney. And guess who she gets first round? Emma Raducanu. Whew. Uh There are some good first round matchups. Um, I don't want to drag this on for too long, so I'm gonna focus on, I guess, the headline matchups or the or, or the matches or the matchups that feature a big name for today's games, for tonight's games. Um, but the first round's gonna be played tonight and tomorrow night, or or morning, whatever, in Australia. Um, I guess one of them is Bedosa and Ostapenko. Now, let me tell you something about Paula Bedosa. Yeah, she's hot. Yeah, she's sexy. Yeah, it's hard to root for her. Or, sorry, hard to root against her. And you really want to root for her. And see her happy, and see her win, and see her pump her fists. Yeah. But Bedosa has lost three matches in a row. She's world number eight now, so she's big time. You know her prices are going to be inflated. You probably didn't know she lost her last three matches. In her last three matches, she hasn't won a set. Does that sound good to you or no? Mm. She got Ostapenko for her second match of the year, looking for her first win of the year. Her first match of the year was a loss to Vika Azarenka and straight. Vika made it look easy. And it wasn't personal. Azarenka would have done it to anyone, but they played doubles together. And yet, she lost 6-3, 6-2. Now I'm not hyped about Paula Badosa, honestly. If um, if she didn't look so, if she didn't look so good, I'd probably talk shit on her like I do Igish Wojtek, Coco Golf, Svitolina, etc. But since she looks nice, and I guess she's she's a pleasant, delightful young woman, I'm not gonna talk shit on her. But I don't like her tennis. I don't rate her as a player. I mean, she's good, but at this point, she is way overrated. Because she looks good. I'm sure she makes a lot of you feel good. Hmm. But she's way overrated at this point. And remember, something like I said yesterday, I would consider her a bad player because the version of herself that is sort of depicted or perceived by the market and these lines and these news outlets and social media That level, or that version of who she is, compared to who I perceive her to be in reality, who she actually is, is a huge drop-off. So therefore, she's a bad player in my books. That's not to say that she wouldn't beat 75% of the tour. Three out of four players in this tour, I'd, I'd take her to win against those people. But I have a tough time backing Bedosa, Especially now at this point the ship has completely and fully sailed in terms of finding value on Bedosa. If you notice, Badosa, she never wins as a favorite or struggles mightily as a favorite. As an underdog, she was probably one of the best ones last year. She was plus 350, plus 400, Tell me if you see Bedosa this year at plus 350, ever. You'll probably never see her again, ever, ever, ever. Like ever, like forget it. You know what I mean? Ever. Tonight she gets Ostapenko, early match, opening window. That is a nightmare for her. They played twice before, it's one and one. Ostapenko beat her more, more uh, most recently 6-2-6-2 hardcourt. Bedosa beat her on clay. Even though Ostapenko won a grand slam on clay. But Bedosa is sort of known as a clay court player, but she got game in general. She's a all she's an all-court player. She's a very well-rounded player, Bedosa. But Ostapenko, man, that is a thorn in your backside if you're not up for it. I think Osipenko wins this match. Plus 180, I think, is kind of ridiculous. This is definitely a 50-50 match, whether you like it or not. But they can't make it. They, the, the the bookmakers, or Vegas, or the bookie, or whatever, they can't make it a, uh, an even game, lines-wise. Because everybody's going to hammer Badosa, and that's a liability for the book. You know what I mean? These lines really should be even for both players. 1.9, 1.9. Minus 110, minus 110. Take your pick. Okay? But they can't do that because everyone and their mom and their neighbors are gonna bet Bedosa and that's a liability for the books. They don't want lopsided action. They don't want to be desperately rooting and needing a player because everybody's betting this one player so they sort of inflate the line in a in anticipation of that now that's a that's a real thing you need to start sort of thinking about these things and considering these things if this was a 50 50 match lines wise odds wise if bedosa was minus 110 i would maybe take a step back here and consider it and think about it and maybe try to make a case for it As you always should do, if the lines are even for both players. But I'm telling you that this is a 50-50 game. Now imagine I told you, hey man, there's a 50-50 game tomorrow. But I'm going to offer you one of the players for plus 185 odds. For 2.85 odds. How does that sound? Are you going to turn that down or no? It's a 50-50 game. Imagine someone told you heads or tails you pick whatever side you want and I'll give you plus 185 for it would you not like accept that in a heartbeat that's what this Ostapenko line is I'm telling you right now Annette Contavate plays Shuai Zhang the Zhang banger Kontaveit's minus six games that's inflated Kontaveit probably had the hottest streak of any player last year she was absolutely unbelievable she won like five events in a row or four out of five events something like that she was unconscious she could have won indian wells hundred percent if she hadn't lost to uns if she had beaten uns she'd beaten vika ostapenko Badosa, whoever was would have been in her way in the final four in the final she would have she would have stomped made some some historic number i think And guess who beat her? Oh, I can't wait to talk about her. Guess who beat her in the WTA Finals? The hottest player on tour. Guess who slayed that beast? Garbini Moguruta. She's playing this week in Sydney. Doesn't play tonight. But Contevate still getting that treatment. Minus six games. I'm not sure what's up with that. That's quite a lot. We haven't seen her play this year. Okay, that's a lot, but she, but, you know, that's an inflated line might have to consider an under here. Sometimes the spreads are too inflated but they can't move the totals like they play spreads, you know what I mean? So sometimes if you like a favorite and they're a big big favorite on the handicap or, or the spread, the game spread, consider an under. Under 19 and a half looks good. Under 18 and a half is probably a reasonable price compared to 19 and a half. That that also looks good but there's a there's very little margin for error there i think for your first match back 8 under 18 and a half that's 63 6-3, 6-3 or better 64 62 or better 63 62 could be on the cards here i think that under looks good Petra Kvitova, now look i'm always i'm always eager to talk about Oh man, this man, this this player needs to retire. Enough is enough. I think Nadal needs to retire. Federer as well. Dominic Team, even though he's younger. I think Svitolina needs to retire. Serena Williams 100% needs to retire. Her and her big sister. Petra Kvitova might be on that list, and it really pains me to say. I don't know how she's a minus five and a half favorite against one of the biggest grinders and probably the top five fittest players. On the WTA Tour, Arangsta Rus. Watch out for that. That over looks good, I think. Their one meeting, though, was Indian Wells from a couple months ago, like four months ago. Kvitova won. 6-2, six, 6-2. Two, six, two. Now, I don't know, man. Who did Kvitova lose to last week? Hahn? Priscilla Hahn? Yeah, I don't know. Kvitova also looking for her first win of the year, by the way. Same as Bedosa. Speaking of Han, Han gets Jacqueline Christian. I'm not going to make a comment on this game, because I think I'm going to make a big play in my in my VIP page for my clients. So, moving on. Sonia Kennan, Daria Kasatkina. here we go. Now we're talking. How is Sonia Kennan an underdog against Dasha Kasatkina? Kasekina played yesterday or two days ago, it would have been two days ago from when, they, from when they play this match. And she held zero times in a match. I was like, oh, but then Isimova went on to win that event, so like, you know, it, that doesn't make Kasekina look that bad. Kasekina is horrible, bro. There should never, ever be a minus next to her name. And even if she's playing a bum, you need to really th- sit down and, and try and make a case for anyone if you can get them with a plus next to their name against Cassidy. and this is Sonia Kennan she's won a Grand Slam in Australia before she looked good against Isla she played against Boobs, Boobs Eddie, sorry, Bronze Eddie. Um, she looks good, man she had some pretty solid service games against Barty. She made that match closer than Rybakana did, how about that? But she can't beat Kasatkina? Come on, man, stop playing with me. Astra Sharma and Jabor, you know what? Jabor hadn't won a title before last year, I don't know where. In a final last, last year, I think it was Charleston on the green clay in the US, in one of the Carolinas. I don't know if it's North or South Carolina. My US geography's not that good. Uns Jabour lost to Astra Sharma, in a final. That's all I'm going to say. Their head to head is one on one. That's all for Sydney. The slate is kind of light for the f- first day of the first round because I think they're still uh, playing qualies and they're waiting to place qualies against the seeds. I'm not entirely sure, but there's still qu- uh, qualifiers to be played. Uh, so the slate is kind of light. Only one, two, three, four, five, six matches. Um, but they're all bangers. I mean, sort of. Except the Sharma match. I think. Um, in Adelaide, Adelaide 2, uh, Sabalenka's the 1 seed, she's running it back. And Svitolina is the 2 seed, also running it back. Uh, both of these players are 0-1 this year, and losing to players outside the top 100. <clears throat> but that's neither here or there. Uh, Svitolina plays Madison Keys in the the night show, sort of the main event in the, in the evening session. Uh... Alison Risk versus Magda Lynette. There's no way I'm going to watch this match. um, Marta Kostyuk versus Shelby Rogers. That's a good one and it's early. Rogers already 2 and 1 this year. Marta Kostyuk looking for her first win. She's 0 and 1. um, Anaconia is back versus Dario Gavrilova. Savi. Vondrusova-Gulubic is a good match. Vondrusova is one player to, to look out for this year. I think she can really sort of make her way, solidify her way into the top 20, top 15 too. And look out for Simona, man. Simona short, sort of has a chip on her shoulder. Um, I think her and Vika are really going to try and hang with, these, new, with like, these young new girls on the block. You know what I mean? with the Contivates, the Bedosas, the, you know, that sort of crowd. Muguruta as well. I'd love to see Muguruta and Halip as well. What a match that would be, um, but Adelaide is kind of yucky. NPD versus Alize Cornet is eh. Madison Keys and Svitolina. Let's talk about that. Now, now here's the thing with Svitolina. Obviously, if she's like always a favorite, she must like do something to justify that, right? There's no way they keep doing that. Honestly, we'll never know. Like, imagine she keeps losing. Like, let's say she loses 12 matches in a row. Will they still be making her a favorite? Or no, because like you're giving away free money if you're a bookmaker, right? Now, obviously that hasn't happened yet. I mean, I'd, I'd be curious to see what would happen, how the market would react, but Obviously, Svitolina wins some games here and there to sort of remind people like, Oh my god, Svitolina so good. Look at her. She's back. She's winning. She won two matches in a row. Let's go. I think she wins this match and I might bet it. How about that? Now look, this goes against everything, but sometimes you situationally have to bet matches if you feel like you really understand a player or a situation or sort of their own personal trends. And I'm ready to take a shot here with this Because if she wins this, you're like, it's a win-win for you. It's like a win-win-win. Because if she wins this and we bet it, first thing, we win her bet tonight. That's a first win. Huge win. Great. We won our bet. The second win is, is that the market is going to overvalue a little bit, li- little bit. And we will get sort of an extension on her... You know, on her, on the perception of her being a good player. Okay, like Svetolina's back. She's here. Come on, let's go. And we could take advantage of that. And, like, either in the next match or the one after that. And fade her, bet against her, probably win. And that's a win-win-win. Okay? I feel like this is, like, a strategy in baseball, like, like in a series. You bet one team here, like, you know they'll win this match, but then lose the rest. You know what I mean? Kind of doing it like that. This is, this is one of them things. We're going to bet on her to win today. And then just fade her for a little bit. Once we get some good prices. Okay, because this is kind of short, honestly. Keys struggled against a pusher, Kina. She choked. I mean, Keys looks rough, man. She's hitting the ball hard, but she looks rough. She doesn't look like she's having fun. She doesn't look like she's comfortable. I'm not sure if she's enjoying this. I think definitely lacking confidence, rhythm, form. Dare I say fitness. Sheesh. This Adelaide is really yucky. And I I, I think what, what symbolizes that so perfectly is that the number one and two seeds are Sabalenka and Svitolina, both 0-1 this year, This year, both um, lost in their first match of the year in Adelaide, won this previous week, and now they're running it back. And what really is a, a pretty weak draw, um, sort of like, well, not sort of like last week's. Last week had Barty in them. Barty, Svojtek, Azarenko, Rybakina, now all those all those those big ballers went to Sydney. Bencic, Krijjikova, Pagula. Some good players in, in Sydney. But yeah, yeah. Yaya yeah, yeah. No hold up, it's not quite Yaya yeah, yeah time just yet. Um I wanna take a few minutes to talk about the difference in between betting a tournament early on. So it was in first round and the later stages of a tournament because and in, in like the in like the quarterfinal onwards you had a chance to watch all these quarterfinalists in their and in, in their matches in the previous rounds right you saw some results you can see some box scores if you actually watch the matches that's great because you would have actually seen how they are on court how they're thriving, or enjoying, or sort of dealing with the conditions, the crowd, the environment, etc. You s- you see that, and that sort of helps you to, to make a better decision, right? You sort of get a vibe for what the crowd looks like, if it's a night match, what that sort of atmosphere is like, and you can sort of paint a picture, you know what I mean? In and in like... Betting a quarterfinal, a semifinal, a final. And the market is probably a little sharper. The lines will be a bit sharper. It'll be a bit harder to find value. That's not always the case, but you know, it'll be harder to find value later on in a tournament. Okay, because like that one player that you liked at the start of the tournament, if they're pulling up to a final, like everyone knows what's up. You know what I mean? But at a start of a tournament, that's your biggest, like, weapon. Like, you gotta have a secret weapon. And especially since we're at the beginning of the season, and because especially that some of these girls have yet to play a game this year. I mean, now, since this is, like, the second week, some of these girls, like, played last week. You know? Like Rebecca, no? Like Like, um, you know, Sabalenka, Svitolina, we've seen them. Shelby Rogers, we've seen them. Shelby Rogers, we've seen her play three matches now. That's like a... You know, considering 2022, that's a massive sample size. I mean, obviously, we saw Barty and Isimova play a handful of matches, too, since they made it all the way to the final. But you get my point. Identify a player. You can look at the draw. See who maybe has a nice draw. See who... Maybe, like, I usually bet a player until they lose. Unless they run into a player who I'm also doing that for. If that makes sense. Um, like, when two players meet in a tournament in, like, the third round, and we bet each of those players in the first and second round, and then they meet in, in the third round, something's gotta give, right? But generally, you like to identify a player. And sort of look at the draw. And say like, okay. Even if she faces this girl at this point, I'm still going to be betting her. Da 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 da. All the way. Identify the value in the first round. The lines are going to be soft. The lines are going to be based on public perception. Based on last year. Okay. Okay there's gonna be value, you have to find it, and it's okay to be wrong because when you make a bad bet and you lose, you can learn from that, and it, it, bro, it's totally okay to be wrong, Michael Jordan lost over 300 games and missed over 9,000 shots, Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time, bro, missed over 9,000 shots, lost over 300 games. And when his team counted on him to hit the game-winning shot in the last second, he failed them 28 times or 29 times. So it's okay if you lose. But that's how you become the greatest, bro. You gotta be willing to take your shot. Shoot or shoot, bro. So strap up. Take your shot. That's the only way you'll learn, and that's the only way you'll be the greatest. Don't be scared. I don't think Michael Jordan was ever scared a day in his life, bro. It's okay to lose one or two bets, or one or, one or two days, or even one or two weeks. As long as you learn from it, that will guarantee you one or two years of winning, bro. Trust me, man. Trust me, bro. It's not like trial and error about it's it's a growth it's a learning process you get better every day bro you'll be set for life at one point you'll have all the tools and when you shoot your shot bro it's going in